Hello and welcome to the Theories of Change podcast hosted by IMC. My name is Ben Walker. Now, on this show, we invite participation from leading thinkers and practitioners in the field of international development, um, ranging from water and sanitation to engineering to disaster reconstruction, and today in trade and investment. So on today's show, as I said, we're going to be looking at trade and investment and how it is used to drive economic growth and alleviate poverty in low-income countries. So recently, donors, including Diffid, have placed an increasing emphasis on trade and investment over, say, direct aid. And what we want us to look at today is this shift uh, in approach proving to work and what are the main benefits and challenges of this mentality. And it's, can trade and investment reduce the reliance on aid in the long term, in the long term and reduce poverty overall? So to help me go through this, joining me today is Susan Haird, who has recently joined IMC as an associate director, provides strategic direction with trade and investment, and she brings over 20 years of experience at the board level in both executive and non-executive roles, as well as a distinguished career in the civil service in trade and investment, human resources, and transformation. And she was recently the deputy chief of the of the UK trade and investment, which is now the Department for International Trade, I believe. That's a hell of a, hell of a resume. I hope to one day have that. Welcome to the show, Susan. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's great to, to be here. So could you um, tell us a little bit more like how you sort of got in, an interest in this sort of field and how you sort of broke into this sort of industry? I spent most of my career at what was then the Department of Trade and Industry. And very early on in my career, I worked on trade and investment with Latin America, followed a few years later by trade and investment with the former Soviet Union and a number of East European countries. I then spent my last eight years in government as Deputy Chief Executive and Acting Chief Executive of UK Trade and Investment. UKTI has staff in about 100 countries around the world, and it is it was then, now, now the Department of International Trade, but it was then the government department responsible for helping UK-based companies export to the world and attracting investment into the UK from all over the globe. I saw at first hand the, the real difference that exporting and inward investment make to people's lives in terms of helping companies to grow, helping to create jobs, um, helping to foster innovation and drive productivity growth. I then, um, for the last five years, have been the European Trade and Investment Representative for British Columbia with a role um, to help British Columbian-based companies grow their business in Europe and to attract investment from Europe into BC. I also, during that time, ran my own consulting company, um, gave advice to Japan on inward investment, advice to Malta on trading investment, and was instrumental in setting up the UK Lebanon Tech Hub, which was designed to foster entrepreneurship in the knowledge economy in Lebanon and help companies to grow internationally through setting up an accelerator facility, um, both in Beirut and in London. So I've worked a lot in the trade and investment field and believe passionately in the difference it can make to people's lives and to economic growth. In a really broad sense, how can trade and investment help developing countries alleviate poverty? I know that's a, a very, very broad. Like, so we want to sort of talk about this, this uh, thing in, a, in the sort of international development context. Sure. Well, I think that aid historically has been very much seen as interventions that take place in a country, for example, to improve infrastructure. And I think the difference with trade and investment help is that it can really help to create sustainable and inclusive growth for countries. So if, for example, um, you can help build a country's capacity to help its exporters and to attract inward investment, you can make a huge difference to lives. Uh, you can also do trade facilitation, so improving the environment within which trade can take place, simplifying customs procedures, helping to reduce um, 
tariff barriers are non-tariff barriers, improving logistics. Uh, if you can help a country to identify the sectors where it can um, grow its exports, if you can help, if working with exporters, you can help them to increase their productivity, to meet international standards, to connect them with foreign markets. I think you can do a huge amount to really transform people's lives right across a country. So uh, what, which, what would you say um, would be the main uh, challenges of using, say, a trade-centered approach in international development? I think, first of all, it's helping the country to transform its own ability to help exporters. I think it can also involve working with exporters to ensure that they can meet international standards. I think one of the biggest challenges is to really ensure that the growth is inclusive and that it, it doesn't just benefit the few. So I think you have to look at making it easy for rural communities to share in this growth. You have to, for example, help um, business processing units to be to, to, to grow that can be very small. You have to be able to, to connect companies to sources of microfinance. Um, you have to ensure that it's inclusive of all sections in society. And sort of what would you say would be um, sort of the key ingredients a country needs to sort of like grow its exports? And you sort of you recently wrote a blog post uh, on the IMC website and you sort of mentioned something uh, stuff about foreign direct investment. Uh, first off, for me, just personally, what do you mean by sort of foreign direct investment? Foreign direct investment is is bringing money from abroad into a country. It can take, it can come in as financial flows um, mm -hmm. into projects, for example, or it can come in as companies setting up um, facilities overseas that then create jobs. Yeah. So it's, it, it's those two things. It's mm -hmm. money coming in and it's actual physical projects coming yeah. in. So, and then uh, on that sort of uh, second point there, so what would you see would be the sort of like the key ingredients a country would need to sort of help grow its sort of like grow its not only its foreign direct investment but also to grow its own exports and like sort so, of enter the enter the global market i think it starts with a country really identifying where its comparative advantage lies so if we look first at exporting i think a country needs to think well what are what are the sectors that we've got that really we can grow what are our natural uh, resources that that might form the basis so is it for example coffee mm -hmm. is it flowers is it minerals mm -hmm. where where is the comparative advantage yeah. and then the next stage is to think well how can we maybe add value in those areas how can we move up the the value chain so that mm -hmm. we, we process the mm -hmm. food products that we've yeah. got for example then you have to look at meeting international standards you have to look at really helping companies grow their capability and capacity to export mm -hmm. and then you have to connect them to foreign markets so to give an example, um, one of the things that, that I was involved in while I was at UKTI was we won an award from the World Trade Promotion Organization for the best trade promotion organization in the developed world. Mm -hmm. And I was then privileged enough to be on the judging panel the next time around. Mm -hmm. And just to pick two examples, Mexico and Uganda. So in Mexico, they worked with hundreds of green tomato producers to help them um, banner their products under a common brand, mm -hmm. to meet the required standards to increase productivity. In Uganda, they did a similar sort of thing with three clusters, including, for example, pineapples and um, green peppers. Mm -hmm. And again, it was all about encouraging companies to look at their their processes, their business processes to find out how they could increase their productivity and to connect them into foreign markets. So it's all about really identifying where the companies are, where the comparative advantage lies, how you can help them move up the value chain. 
On the inward investment side, I think it's about being realistic about where your unique selling points are, where are your projects, where are your sectors, where foreign money can come in and frankly be rewarded for the investment that it's making. You have to be very ruthless, I think, in identifying the the key projects and key sectors where you do have unique selling propositions. Mm. And then you have to identify where the companies and the countries are that might be interested in investing in you. You, So you you have to do what's called lead generation to Mm -hmm. identify where the inward investment might come from. And you have to take very specific propositions to those companies and potential financial investors saying, look, here's what what our offer is. Here are the opportunities. Come and invest in our country. So I think it's a mix of things. Mm. And also, just to add one more area, it's about making sure you've got a business climate that is favorable to business. Mm -hmm. So at very simple level, how easy is it it in your country to set up a business? How easy is it then to grow a business? Mm. What is the taxation policy? How is it going to be viewed by international investors as well as by your own companies? Mm. And above all, bearing in mind that international investment is mobile. It's no good if your country is right at the bottom of the league table and you don't Mm. do things to improve it. You've really got to make a climate that that, that fosters investment. Do you find a lot of the help is more with businesses or with government, or is it essential to sort of mix those? So I think it's both. I think a lot can be done, and we're seeing an increasing demand for this, helping countries to raise their game as investment attraction agencies and trade promotion organisations. And it's also about working directly with companies, as I was talking about with the UK Lebanon Mm. um, tech hub experience. But in terms of working with governments, I think it's about, you know, getting right alongside them, looking at their strategies for export promotion and for investment attraction, looking at the mechanisms they use. So, for example, do they build capacity of small companies to export? In the UK, we, we in, in my time, there was a system called Passport to Export. It was about really getting companies that weren't export ready into a position where they were export ready. Mm. Then you could help them take the next steps into exporting. So, for example, encouraging them and supporting them to exhibit at trade fairs overseas. You can bring overseas buyers across into your country to meet the exporters. So to Mm. look at the flowers that are growing in Ethiopia, for example, does... Do British companies want want to buy those? So it's about bringing buyers into your market. On the investment side, it's about looking at the overall climate for investment with the Investment Attraction Agency. It's also about then looking at the, the proposition development. How do they market themselves? Investment attraction is incredibly cutthroat. I mean, every country in the world virtually is doing investment attraction. What are your unique selling points? We can work with the country to identify the sectors, the subsectors, the propositions they can make. How can you make sure that, um, you sort of mentioned it previously before, how can you make sure that, or like, well, try to ensure that the benefits sort of flow to across the country as opposed to just benefiting the few? So I think it's about really ensuring that you're, first of all, equipping the government agencies to reach out across the country to help grow companies right across the the region and country. And secondly, it's about ensuring that you really can work with the smallest of companies to help them grow and to help them move into the global marketplace. It's about connecting them to microfinance initially and then to bigger sources of finance. Mm -hmm. So it really is about ensuring the trickle down. It's about also upskilling 
the labour force. So it's important that you reach into the education sector, as we did on the Lebanon project that I was yeah. talking about, right back into schools yeah. to make sure that people learn business skills at a very early stage, that universities are, are practical as well as academic in their mm. teaching. In your opinion, can an approach solely reliant on trade uh, be successful in sort of, um, uh, but not solely reliant, but like in, in reliant on trade? Can that, is this the sort of the correct way that DFID should go? So I don't think it's either or. I think it's both and. I mean, Mm. I think there is still enormous need for the more traditional, if I can call them that, aid projects, looking, for example, at infrastructure, Mm. disaster alleviation, um, you know, water, sanitation, roads, electricity, all Mm. all these things are really, really important. And without without those, a country will not function. But I think I think the great thing about trade and investment is it can help create self-sustaining growth and inclusive growth. So I think it really is about ensuring that all the weapons at one's disposal are Mm. used to help to foster a country's ability to grow. Uh, That was uh, Susan Hare talking with me on the Theories of Change podcast. If you're interested in learning more about trade investment in international development, you can check out uh, Susan's recent blog post on our website and you can learn more about much more about IMC there and also check out the impact of our work at imcworldwideimpact.com. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find us uh, on IMC on LinkedIn, Twitter and YouTube and make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are on iTunes, give us a review. It really helps people find our show. Thank you very much for listening. Mm -hmm.